Hello and welcome to Wildcard Rewind. The draft might be over, but there's still plenty to talk about. So tonight we're going to go over our winners and losers. So let's get straight to it. I just want to rewind to when we were young and Back to all those good times. Take me back to the start. Hey, yeah. So here we are. I'm feeling a bit rusty, actually, as host. It's been quite a number of weeks, so I need to get back into it. But as usual, I'm back with my two co-hosts, Mags and Paul. Mags, how are you doing? Yeah, doing really well. I enjoyed a nice sort of um, bank holiday, coronation day, whatever you want to call it. Nice day off today. So it's been a fairly chilled one. Really nice. And nice to have you back as a host, Hannah. I know. It's felt like ages. And Paul, all right? Yeah, enjoying a nice bank holiday coronation day in work because I don't get these these glorious days off. Um, but yeah, it, it is nice to have you have you back hosted. It's uh, it's been a while, isn't it? It has been a while. It has. And tonight we've got a fabulous returning guest, Lee. He's at Wakefield ninety on Twitter. Great to have you back, Lee. Obviously, I wasn't here last time you you came, so really excited to chat to you this week. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Um, I'm going to trump both the lads and say I've just come back off holiday, so I've been off for about a week. So Ooh. bank holiday is just another day off for me, which is great. Wow. And it's great to be on with you guys again. Really enjoyed it last time. And yeah, good to, good to see you, Hannah. Yeah, sounds amazing. I'm really jealous. Um, <laughs> how did you go far away? or? It was uh, a few days in Lisbon, Portugal for us. Oh, yeah, I'm very jealous. <laughs> So shall we get straight to it? Obviously, last week we discussed round one and we reviewed everybody's pr predictions. So this week, we're just going to go a little bit deeper, really, and look at who we think are the winners and losers from the draft, who had a good one, who had a bad one, and what that's going to mean for 2023 and beyond, really. So should we get straight to it, Lee? Please tell me who is your draft winner? Yeah, so to the delight, you can put here and there, rubbing his hands together, to the delight of we just discussed before we hit record. Uh, to uh, Paul, um, yeah, my draft winners are the Cardinals. I feel like the Cardinals, for a team in their position, they really hit out the park. Um, they got a good, good bunch of players in their first five picks. Um, you know, at key positions as well. You know, likes of Paris Johnson, BJ Ojolari, for example, uh, coming in with their first two picks on the edge and with corner. Obviously, having a quarterback already kind of sewn up. Um, we'll see in the future. We'll see, I guess. But um, and then moving forward and getting Garrett Williams, etc. In the first five picks, I thought was really, really solid uh, for a team that really is building from the ground up almost, you know, with this odd rebuild that they're going to go through with the quarterback already in place and not, not a lot else around them. Um, so I think they, they formed a good skeleton of the roster moving forward. And, you know, are they going to be good next year? Probably not. But that's that's fine because where, where the Cardinals were undertaking their sort of rebuild from, as I've just mentioned. But the other aspect to this is how they accumulated picks and how the picks that they made were only part of the story. The way that the cards manoeuvred around the draft board, I thought was excellent. I thought they've obviously picked up a lot of extra ammo um, for the 2024 draft. And what they'll do with that is, is, you know, up to them, I guess, and gives them a lot of flexibility. It means that they pretty much control the draft next year. You know, picking up that extra first from the Texans, which probably likely to be a, another high pick. And, you know, an extra third, a couple, couple of thirds, and an extra fifth as well. So they've got a lot of extra ammo to move around the draft board next year. And, you know, potentially you know, move on a couple of pieces like, dare I say, that Kyler Murray next year and, you know, John J. Hopkins potentially this year, although, you know, we'll come on to maybe that a little bit later uh, down the line. But, 
the way they've got that that flexibility really means that they you know really cemented themselves and you know they could they could really control the draft as I mentioned. So given it was the general manager's first draft, I think they did exceptionally well for for both now and also the future as well. Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree with you there, Lee, to be honest. You know, we know that they need a lot of pieces really on that roster. They pretty much, they, they aged out, to be honest, didn't mm. they? You know, yeah. they had a lot of old veteran players on there. Um, and unfortunately, it just didn't quite work out for them as they hoped. You know, they didn't get particularly far in the playoffs the last couple of years. Obviously, Kyler got his injury. So, like you say, they're in that rebuild, which is... A weird one, isn't it? Because they've kind of got the QB in place and now they're having mm. to put everything else around, which is not usually how things go. But I think they did a great job, like you said, to be honest, in accumulating those picks. And having that Texans first is going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, right? Because obviously, it's in already Vegas kind of having their where the you know where the mm. season's kind of going to go and the cards and the texans are at the bottom two so potentially they do have the the top two picks <clears throat> next year which is going to be super duper interesting i'm, I'm kind of really excited yeah. to yeah, absolutely. see what happens there do you have a favorite player that they selected lee or generally um, like the whole well, I, I, like I said, I kind of mentioned the first two in particular. I like that they got Paris Johnson, you know, their, their left tackle of the future. Um, they would have taken him at three by all accounts, you know, managed to manoeuvre around um, from 12 then to six to still get their guy. So I think that's a great pick. Um, he's a good tackle. He's not a groundbreaking tackle of the likes of, you know, a few, few of the really good ones that have come out recently. Um, you know, the charges of Sean Slater for one, I'll just drop that in there. Um, but I do like Roger Larry as well. Um, you know, good, good edge defender uh, from LSU. Um, should add a lot of speed to their, their defence on the edge there. So, yeah, those, those first two in particular I thought were, were good picks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to ask Paul because we know he's going to say, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Everything they did was amazing. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll go to Mags. Uh, Mags, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, this is a really interesting one. This is like a potential birth of like the, the new look Arizona Cardinals, right? There is, you know, a, a chance that, you know, this time next year they could use these picks they've got. They could, as you said, Lee, trade away Kyler Murray and you could roll into the 2024 season with the Arizona Cardinals starting Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. And that's mm. that's incredibly exciting if you're a Cardinals fan. But you know, it does mean saying goodbye to Kyler Murray and I don't know, are, are Cardinals fans there yet? I'm not sure. Um, Paul, is that is that something you're ready to do? <laughs> do you know what? It's like picking which which child you love best. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's like going out of your children, who's your favorite? He's not that small. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I love Kyler. I've I've defended Kyler and everything like this. And, and I've just actually looked and he's under contract till 2029 hmm. and they don't have an out in his contract till 2028. So it's, it is obviously a mega contract. And I just feel like <clears throat> in realistic terms, is anyone going to take that contract? I don't know. Depends how Kyler plays this year, but yeah, it would be exciting to see Caleb Williams and uh, Marvin Harris Jr. You know what I mean? That would yeah. be an exciting way to go, but I can kind of see us maybe doing what the Bears did this year with the 101 and just going, let's sell it for more. Yeah. I'm just doing that with it. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know if anyone's going to take that, that contract that Kyle has got off our hands. So 
Although certainly the like, case, like that said, is the case. If Caleb Williams will definitely take us for that pick right at the top. But that's it. So pe- people will pay over the odds to get that one. And if they can basically sell it and say, look, we've got these interested and these interested, we could we could potentially set ourselves up for the next, I don't know, three drafts after that. Like, you know, so mm. it's it like Hannah said, it's going to be exciting to see where they go with it. Do they do they get rid of Kyler, take Caleb? Do they keep them picks do they trade them picks away mm. do they set themselves up for the next like you know four or five drafts after that it's it's i don't know i don't know where they're gonna go with it do you know what would be the most texans thing ever is if cj stride flames out and the texans are the ones to buy their own pick <laughs> off the off of you next year for like a huge on top of what they got rid of it for yeah, <laughs> they give us Will Anderson Jr. in the trade as well. Yeah, right? Will Anderson Jr. <laughs> the future first, another future first, and everything just with Caleb Williams, like you know. But but yeah, like you know, it it is going to be exciting to see where we where we go and what we do with it. And you know, I I wanted somebody to mention the Cardinals because, like I said before we came on, I didn't want to be that guy that sits here and goes, "Oh, the team that did the best in the draft was my <laughs> team," you know. Um, but I mentioned it last week, um, how many picks we, we, we left this year with so many extra picks and still picked up very, very good players. And I, and I think we've had, you know, we've got a new head coach, we've got a new general manager and every, everything like this has all come in. And I think they've put the best foundation ever in. And, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not a team that's heading to the playoffs this year. We're not. We're, I wouldn't even like to sit here and say that we are. We're a long way off that. But we've got a foundation and we've got something to work with. And, and that's that, to me, is exactly what we needed in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be super interesting, isn't it? And to be honest, I'm really not expecting the Cardinals to do anything this season. So mm. probably the most interesting thing to talk about the whole season is going to be what are they going to do in the next draft, really? Um, the only question I have, obviously, slightly going off topic, you know, off the draft per se, is a little bit, you know, Paul, what do you think about Buddha Baker requesting a trade? Do you so, think that he just wants to go on a, on a contender or do you think he is unhappy on the team? Because that would scare me a little bit. It would make me nervous with a whole new kind of, uh, you know, set of people, you know, front office and coaches, that if Buddha Baker's not happy, who we know is kind of one of the main guys in the locker room, like, is there going to be some unhappiness in there, which is going to then affect how the team, you know, the cohesion on the team and, you know, how they, you know, perform, I suppose, for the for the new coaching staff? Yeah, so... <sighs> It's, it's difficult because it, it, do you remember when they came out and said Lamar Jackson requested a trade and they actually came out like three weeks after he'd requested a trade to say, oh, he's requested a trade. They've done a similar thing here. He, he'd he actually requested a trade a while back and then it came out. And from what I can gather, from what I've seen from beat writers and stuff like that, all he wants is he wants more money. He's not per se going, oh, I want to go to... Um, a future Super Bowl winning team like the Cincinnati Bengals or the Philadelphia Eagles or or somebody like that, you know, I, he's not sitting there. They all they all want to. <laughs> I've left him out of purpose, Max. I've left him out of purpose. <laughs> but uh, he's not he's not sitting there saying he wants. They all want to go to a team like that, but he 
you know, he's, uh, I'm trying to figure out when he signed his contract extension. He, he signed it in 2021. So he's still got, he's still got another year on his contract and, it, and he wants to, from what I can gather, he wants to extend it a little bit and he wants more money, which is what they, all these players do, you know? And I, and I think, I think the reporters kind of like blow it out of proportion, but if I'm honest, I love Buda Baker and I, you know, he's one of our captains and, and he's, he is a big personality in that change rooms, but I feel like the Cardinals, like from what we were talking about, are a team that's building and they've put a foundation down and they're building. Now, if he's going to start demanding and wanting this, it wouldn't surprise me if they turn around and say, we're not going to pay you this. You can either go or see how you got whatever, you know what I mean? And they've got the picks to go after other players to replace them. You know what I mean? We've seen it with Patrick Peterson. I didn't want to see Patrick Peterson go. But actually, since he's left the Cardinals, he's gone to the Vikings. He was not good there. And now he's at the Steelers. And I, I loved him. I loved his personality. I loved everything about him. And it was just like, I kind of get the feeling that Buddha Baker's doing the same thing. He wants more money. And I, I, I think they'll maybe extend him, but I don't think they'll pay him much more. I think he's going to cost them like 16 million this year or something like that. You know, he's 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 quite an expensive player. So I don't know. I don't, I don't worry too much about it. If he goes, he goes. If he stays, he stays. Like, you know. Yeah, I always just think team building is it. It's it is quite an interesting one, really, because I, I do think there's a big a, a big component of it is how well the team gel, how well they get on with you know the, the coaches, you know, to kind of build that team properly. And I think you want proper captains in your kind of locker room. And I think if he is not going to be that, then you should get rid of him. However, if he's going to be that veteran presence that kind of, you know, they're going to bring in a lot of rookies in the next couple of years. They need some veterans there who are going to kind of, you know, bring everything together. And I think if he's going to still be a strong presence in the locker room for a positive, then I think he... I don't know whether he'll be worth paying or not, but he potentially is worth sticking around if he's going to, you know, be a positive presence in the locker room. Yeah, but agreed. Obviously, we don't know what happens behind the scenes, so we'll wait and see what happens there. I was just interested, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I just there's a lot going on with the owner as well at the moment. You know, there's a lot of kind of undercurrent with the Cardinals at the moment, and I'm just not quite sure exactly where they are in terms of, you know, how cohesive the whole organization is really yeah i think that's why the draft feels so much better than what it it probably would have felt because there's so much negative around with the owner and stuff like that at the moment and we've had this draft it feels like i don't know it just feels like it's the uplift that we needed and stuff like mm. that you know but i don't know i think there's more to come with this owner and what's going on there it's i'm, I'm not looking forward to all that coming out to be fair yeah we'll see how things go so max let's have a move on to your draft winner so who is it yeah um i just kind of went fairly straightforward with this one it was a team that you know had pretty obvious issues and they just went out and they, they addressed all of these issues it's the it's pittsburgh steelers they you know had a horrendous horrendous offensive line I mean, they still probably do have a horrendous offensive line, but they've at least, you know, tried to address that. They brought in Broderick Jones in the first round. Then they, I mean, I say they had a second round pick in Joey Porter Jr., but he was pretty much a first round pick because, you know, the Miami Dolphins forfeited that pick. So I think Porter Jr. was like the first pick in the second round. So technically like the 32nd player. So pretty much a first round pick. Of course, his dad played for the Steelers as well, which... 
it's always quite cool, right? Whenever you get a father son, like there's pictures of like him in the locker room when he was a kid, like in a Steelers uniform with his dad. Like, I think this, if I was a Steelers fan, I'd be, I'd be delighted with that kind of like legacy living on at, at the club. So I think they got to be really pleased with that. A guy that's kind of going under the radar because everyone in the fantasy community is so furious with this landing spot is Darnell Washington. Obviously, you know, if you play fantasy, you're, you're not going to touch him now, but he's probably the best tight end that the Steelers could have selected here because he's going to help bolster that offensive line more than any of the other guys. This is a guy that was, you know, sort of heavily projected to be a first round pick for a long time and to to snag him in the third round I think is really really good and I think he's the perfect fit you know you're not going to ask Fryer move to do too much blocking although he's a pretty decent blocker you've got Washington now to do the heavy lifting and we all seen him pushing that sled at the combine it was unbelievable so to add him into that offensive line is going to really really boost you know boost their team needs and yeah, they, they went across, they got Keanu Benton, they got Nick Herbig, who I think his brother either still does or certainly played for the Steelers last year. And then, yeah, they just added a few more. Spence Anderson up for the O-line, more bolstered there. And then Corey Trice, real name, no gimmicks. It's an m M&M and joke. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. I love it. Sorry. Terrible jokes tonight, terrible. Yeah, um, yeah, I struggle a bit to talk about the Steelers because they're obviously another AFC North team, so I don't like it when they do particularly. <laughs> <laughs> but what are your thoughts, Lee? Yeah, I think Max is Max is spot on with, with shouting them out as one of the teams that did you know one of the best drafts the you know last few weeks. So to go up there and get Broderick Jones and jump ahead and make that trade um, was really really important because that was pretty much the last defensive tackle um, on you know in that level in that sort of tier. And they went ahead and got it, made that made that trade up, and that's that's really really important because Mags is right that their offensive line is still bad. But I was on a podcast pre-draft, and we were going through the Steelers um, with who I was talking to, and I was actually saying that I actually didn't recognise who their left tackle was at the time, which is really bad because I count myself as a pretty knowledgeable fan, and yeah. I was like, I'm not really sure I've heard of this guy, or I'm not really too aware of him, and so that just says a lot, doesn't it? And I think to carry on with and kind of piggyback on what Mags was saying, Daniel Washington. Is pretty much one of the picks of the draft in the middle of the draft for me. You know, to get him in the late third round as well, not you know, not just the third round, but um, for me, I, he was one of my favourite players in the draft. I think he can give you so much um, in the run game immediately, and you know, just and put the fantasy perspective on it. You know, if you've got the shares in Najee Harris, I think they're more more valuable now because of his blocking skills and how him and Frymuth can you know be a bit more of a tandem in in twelve personnel and things like that as they move forward. But I also think Washington's got really high upside in the passing game. I think it'll take a couple of years to develop and come to fruition, but I do think that'll, that'll come out. I'm a big, big believer of his. And like you say, to get him in the third round is an absolute steal. Um, and yeah, Corey Trice, um, I won't make the same joke again, but you know, he, he, without the injury, he'd have been in the, th- the fourth, fifth round, you know, you know, quite easily at the start of day three rather than that right at the end of it. And I think he's a really good pickup from Purdue um, as a nickel corner. But yeah, no, I think it's a solid, solid draft. Um, unfortunately, it's another AFC team that's had a decent draft, which is a shame. I'll kind of say the same as you, Hannah. Um, but yeah, no, it's the hats off to them. You know, and they'll they'll get coached up well as well because Tomlin is a genius at the end of the day, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and obviously we know that it was Omar Khan's first uh, draft as GM. Their longtime GM retired, you know, earlier in the year. So I mean, it's it's quite promising, really, to see him do so. Hopefully, so well in the draft. Um, yeah, it'll just be really interesting to see uh, 
you know, how Tomlin uses everyone. Um, and it is, isn't it a great story, Joe Porter Jr.? Mm. I mean, I think we all kind of wanted him to go there just because of his dad. So I think that's really nice that he got to kind of re reunite with the Steelers, mm. keep it in the family. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. You know, look, I think that this season is going to be a big one for Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I know they haven't added any, um, you know, kind of pass catchers per se, but I mean, they have a, re a decent wide receiver room anyway, so they don't particularly need it. But um, I think, you know, they're going to want to see what they've got in him properly now. He'll have a full off season, you know, of, of practice and training and whatever. So I think they want to know, right, is Kenny Pickett the QB we want to move forward with at the end of this season? So I think, you know, trying to get that O-line in a decent state is important so that you can evaluate him properly. So it'll be really interesting to see how, how this season goes and hopefully these uh, rookies can contribute and, uh, yeah, the only thing I was disappointed with, not draft-wise, but the fact that they've still got the same offensive coordinator, really, I think that is a shame, and I think that will affect their ability to see how good Kenny Pickett is, because I, I don't like the offensive coordinator. I think he mm. plays, uh, has very boring um, you know, plays, but we'll see. Maybe if he knows his bum's on the hot seat, he might might play a bit better um, and you know scheme things up a bit better, too. So, Paul, uh, we'll come to you finally. Who are your draft winners? Um, so, I didn't want to sound really chalky with this, but it was the Eagles. Yeah. And, you know, as much as we all want to pick a winner and everything like that, the, the, the Eagles left day one with Jalen Carton and Nolan Smith. And, and that, to me, was... Just even when we say it now, you just say like, "How? How did it? How did they end up with this?" And I was looking at the the PFF um, big board rankings that they that they do and stuff like that. Does anyone want to know where Jalen Carter was on this big board? Anyone want to take a guess? Three. He was he was two, so he was he was their second best ranked like player. Anyone want to have a guess on where Nolan Smith was? It's like 12 no. or something like that. Oh, Not 30th. It, he, he was 13th. So, you know, PFF have, have done done all of this. And, you know, I'm not saying they're, they're right or wrong or whatever they are. You know, they've, they've got their, they've made their rankings and everything like that. But the Eagles somehow convinced the whole of the <laughs> NFL to leave the PFF second best player to pick nine. And then went, can you leave their 13th? For the thirtieth pick, so twenty nine teams went. We won't take him. We'll leave him because the Eagles need him. They need him <laughs> in their team. And I'm just like, I, I still, I still don't know how they they managed to, you know. And they traded up as well, didn't they? They traded, they traded they bullied, Ford, bullied the um, Bears into that <laughs> in front in front of the Bears, didn't they? So they could they could get that. And it was like, you just, I, I don't. Oh. I just even even just looking at it now, you're just like, how how did how did they do this? I don't know how they did this, but somehow the the Eagles walked out of day one with two of the top fifteen players, and then and then they came back and they didn't have any second round picks. They managed to pick Tyler Steen and Sidney Brown. Now Sidney Brown is a safety. I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing. I, I like I liked him coming into this, so he is he is a player that I'm excited to see, and then. And then they decided, do you know what we'll do then? We'll, we'll add a running back because the Detroit Lions are giving away one. 
and then paid a fifth round pick for DeAndre Swift and added him to the team. And you just going, I did you guys see what this team did last year? <laughs> did you did you see that they went to the Super Bowl and nearly beat the Kansas City Chiefs? So you thought, do you know what we'll do? We'll make it really easy for them in the draft, and then we'll sell them a really good running back. For a fifth round pick, there is nobody. There is nobody in the fifth round that even comes close to the level that DeAndre Swift can be. You know what I mean? And and it, and you, oh, do you know what? <laughs> it it just frustrates me because we're looking at a team now that, for the next two years, I'd say, are a team that I could genuinely see in the next two Super Bowls. You know what yeah. I mean? I think they were lucky though, right? Obviously, Jalen Carter would no way have been there at nine had there not been some issues, as yeah. we all have heard and seen. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I know they moved up to get him, but everyone else did not feel that he, you know, feel comfortable with taking him, you know, based on his history. So they, they were lucky there because he would not have been, obviously would not have been there had there not have been question marks over his kind of personality and things. And that they have taken a bit of a risk with him there. Oh, oh definitely, definitely. I mean, obviously I would, he's surrounded by all of his teammates from Georgia because that's all they seem to like to draft. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure he will, you know, settle and I'm, I know the Eagles, I'm sure he'll play amazing and we'll be all be mad that, that, you know, that they drafted him and no one else did. Um, but there is a there is a slight risk to that, that he could, you know, potentially bust if he, you know, continues down some of the tracks that we, we know that he's been down. Nolan Smith, you know, again, I think he's he is great, but I do think he is a certain kind of scheme fit and that's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I don't think necessarily... Every team would have had an interest with him. As I say, I, th I think they're lucky that he fell all the way to 30. But I don't necessarily think he was suitable for every team. Um, so, again, I think they were lucky with them both. But I think there's reasons why they got them both as well. I don't know what you think about that, Lee. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right in exactly what you've just said. Um, obviously, there's the well-documented problems with Jalen Carter. And you bang on again. Nolan Smith's just not for everyone. He's too too light to play in some schemes. He's not going to be a hand in the dirt defensive end for anyone. He's a stand up linebacker who's going to rush from the edge. And anyway, he might be able to play some off ball linebacker, um, which isn't going to suit everyone, of course. But I think that just going back to what you said about the Georgia connection with all these players, I think Nolan Smith gives a lot of leadership. He was renowned as being the leader of that that team. You know, the best defense in college football history, some might say. And we saw it in Jalen Carter's pro day when he was really struggling. Nolan Smith was the one picking yeah. him up, geeing him up, and that that support system is going to follow him to Philadelphia. You know, with John Davis there from the year before and and Nicobe Dean as well. So, um, they can probably think and be safe in the knowledge that they've got that support system around Jalen Carter to the point where he's probably going to be okay. And if it's not the case, then it's not the case. And you know, some draft picks bust without these problems anyway. So, you know, you kind of, you know, you, even if you pick in the ninth overall pick, you're still not guaranteed to get a good player every single time. But his talent's out of this world. And, you know, it's just a super team, isn't it? You know, we can't all kind of alluded to it while talking about the Eagles. And I just think that, like, kind of what Paul was alluding to, really, they're going to walk into the NFC Championship game at the very least. You know, they, they're a 15-win team for me with, you know, in the week N NFC. So it's really difficult. And it's really difficult to imagine how and why the NFL allowed it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is maybe one of the only times when I'm glad they're in the NFC and <laughs> my team is in the AFC um, and potentially only have to meet them in the Super Bowl. 
Um, it's you know, like one of those yeah. questions, isn't it? Of would you rather fight this massive animal or a hundred of these little animals? That's the <laughs> AFC and NFC kind of mixed together, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, he he did it again, didn't he? Um, you know, he, he seems to do amazingly well, Howie. Um, mm. For the past few years, anyway, he seems to have kind of hit gold with with everything that he's drafted. So obviously, we don't know that that's the case with all of these, but. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it wasn't. And like you say, they, they get DeAndre Swift at a steal as well. So really interesting to see them be the juggernaut of the NFC again. Um, mm. So we've had a good chat about some of our winners. Should we move on to our losers? So, Lee, who is your draft loser? So this could be slightly controversial in some circles. Um, I suppose fantasy circles might look on this as quite a controversial shout, but... My draft loser is the Atlanta Falcons because I know that they're being unapologetically themselves. They're playing for themselves and they're drafting for themselves, which is absolutely fine. But when you look back at Bijan Robinson with the eighth pick overall, I just, you know, for a team that needs so, so much, you know, we're not talking about a team that's that much better on paper than the, the Cardinals were. And obviously they went around in a completely different fashion. To, to, to go back a couple of years, they've picked Bijan Kyle Pitts and Drake London with the first round picks and their quarterbacks, Desmond Ridder. Their defense outside of the secondary is pretty shocking. And I know they want to run the ball and you know they were going to make Bijan the centerpiece of their offense. You know, Desmond Ridder is almost like secondary, which is kind of weird because he's the quarterback. And you know, they, they they're still going to want to run the ball a lot, but they don't have any sort of tight end, like I'll say a proper tight end, because Kyle Pitts is, is not really tight end, is he? Let's be honest. And their wide receiver depth behind London and Kyle Pitts is non-existent almost. So as much as they have got three great stars at all these positions, these skill positions, they're not. there's not a lot of substance behind that. And especially on the, the defensive side of the ball, this group of young stars is going to have to put up a lot of points for the quarterback who's starting for the first time. And I just don't think it's great skill. It's not great um, team building. You know, we were talking about team building a second ago and, how important that is. And, and landing spot is, is really, really important. Bijan's obviously in a great landing spot. So I do want to preface it and caveat it with that. But I just think this is really bad process to, to go ahead and take a running back with the eighth overall pick when really you're a couple of injuries away from not having a great deal because your debt's so bad. And, you know, there's talk of trading trading and with other teams and trading with the Falcons as well at eight and allowing another team to take Bijan at this position. And they went ahead and did it. And, you know, they've backed themselves into a corner. They've backed themselves to to be a good and fun offensive team, which I'm sure they will be at some point. But this team needs a lot. And I don't think it's the best way to go about it. So I think long-term, they'll be a big, big loser from this. Yeah, I, I agree. It was great fun to see Bijan go through <laughs> Falcons. You know, we know that he is going to be all over the field and he's going to touch the ball many times. Mm. You know, it's going to be great to watch, but I totally agree that it just does not feel like good process. You know, the last three drafts, as you said, they haven't really picked, you know, what you would call these kind of important, um, you know, positions. They've gone with really luxury picks, which mm. doesn't really feel like they're in the position to do that, especially when their, their defense is or has been particularly terrible. I also find it weird that they paid Jesse Bates, I mean, an absolute fortune as a safety. I mean, great, he might be a captain, you know, good veteran, def you know, um, 
you know, captain or whatever, veteran, keeping everyone together, great. But is he worth that much money when you have so many other kind of holes in your roster, which you haven't really even filled in the draft? I mean, this offence is going to have to put up a lot of points mm-hmm. anyway because the defence yeah. is just not going to be able to, you know, stop anybody. So I agree. I think it's very poor process, to be honest. Um, what what do you think, Paul? Would you agree with us? Or do you think this is great? I love it. <laughs> no, so I actually um, said last week, I, I don't think this was a great pick. And I think, I think you know, fantasy-wise, we can all sit here fantasy-wise and say that that was a great landing spot for Bijan Robinson. He's now with Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, the head coach, yeah. um, you know, who's who's done this all with Derek Henry, and you're like, oh my god, this is to the moon. We love Bijan and everything like that. But we're, you know, to actually, I, I've got so they've got the the Falcons draft history here, and since 2018, they've taken Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson all in the first round. Mm-hmm. And you know, Calvin Ridley was picked 26, so that was obviously a late first round pick. But mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts was the fourth overall. Drake London was the eighth overall. Bijan Robinson was the eighth overall. So you, you kind of see a pattern forming here. They're taking these really good players. And, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's you know, the offensive side of the ball, mate. You, you're looking at Kyle Pitts, Drake London and Bijan Robinson. You're going, oh, that's amazing. You know, <laughs> all they need is a QB now. And, but the other side of the ball is, is they've got so many gaps. And I said this, that, you know, they could have taken... I know we said Jalen Carter was a risk and everything like that, but they could have taken Jalen Carter at eight because he was on the board and not taken Bijan and start building something, start building a team on both sides of the ball. And so I, I agree with you, Lee. I, I think they were, um, they were like losers in this draft. And, and I, I know, I, I don't want to say it, but I kind of feel like their manager is playing fantasy and he's going, oh, Bijan's fallen to the eighth. I'm smashing that pick. Let's go, Bijan. I'm drafting him right now, you know? And and it, it is, it is, you know, as a, if I was a Falcons fan, I'd be like, oh, we got Bijan Robinson. I loved him at the cards and everything like this. But we, you know, we were never in a position to draft it. It wouldn't have been a smart mm. draft pick. And, and I think the Falcons have done that now three years in a row. They've They've got to their pick and gone, Carl Pitts is still there. I'm going to take Carl <laughs> Pitts. He's a freak. He's, you know, a generational talent. Cool. And then Drake London was one of the best wide receivers in last year's class. Oh, he's there. We're going to take him. And then this year, it's Bijan Robinson. Oh, he's a generational talent. Let's take him. And you go, who's going to throw him the ball? Hmm. You know, it, it's it's good if you can score three touchdowns, but if you concede in six, it's not great. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and that... I, I think they've got, they had so many, like you said, so many gaps to fill. I think Bijan was actually not the the smart pick to make in round one. And that's the only, to me, that's one of the big reasons why they're going to lose this draft. You know what I mean? They had they had the ability to go and get great players and, and they took Bijan, who is a great player. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying he's not a great player, but mm. but yeah. Yeah, they're interesting, aren't they? I mean, in that draft where they took Hal Pitts fourth overall, the Bengals took Jamar Chase at five. Like they they took Kyle Pitts and obviously we know he's amazingly talented, but I don't feel they've necessarily used him to that talent per se. Mm-hmm. And they could have had Jamar Chase, who I think would have been more impactful for their team, 
than Cal Pitts has been. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, he probably potentially should or could have taken someone else, you know, a more foundational uh, piece rather than one of these luxuries. But as I say, if you want to go that way on the offence, seems silly to me that you would pass over Jamar Chase uh, and pick Cal Pitts when, you know, we know what Jamar Chase did when he went to the Bengals and how much of an impact he had, even though we had quite a lot of holes on our offensive line, you know, particularly. So I just, I think they've made some interesting decisions. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think they've been kind of lucky in that they've been in this like multi-year rebuild. So there hasn't really been any impact yet of these selections, but I think the longer it takes for them to kind of rebuild, I think more of an impact we're going to see you know, with the potentially bad decisions that they've made. So interesting one to kind of track, really. But I think they're going to be great fun to watch this season. So we'll <laughs> all be talking about them high scoring, high scoring games. That's for sure. You know, they're always <laughs> going to score touchdowns, but they're going to keep going to concede them at the same time. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, Max, you hinted last week, um, kind of your loser when we were uh, on the show last week. So, um, I'm I'm slightly surprised that you're still on this. But who is your draft loser for this draft? Yeah, well, I, I kind of mentioned it last week. I have sort of calmed slightly from them, but I still want to, <laughs> you know, talk about you know the Kansas City Chiefs and my. My main thing was going into the draft, there were three things. I was like, right, we need to address offensive line. We need to address wide receiver. And we need to probably address running back as well. And I just was like, eh. I kind of came out of it a bit, like, <laughs> underwhelmed. While I did really like the pick of, you know, the new king in town, King Felix, is, is in town in Kansas City. I, I did like that. At, at, at the end of the draft, he played played football in Kansas, which is obviously... You know, not quite on that Joey Porter Jr. kind of level, but like, you know, the fans do appreciate that. He's kind of a local kind of guy. He's used to, you know, not quite the area, but but close to close to the area. But I, I also just I feel like we moved up in rounds two and moved up in rounds three. And it's just like can we not have moved up in round one, guys? Can we not have just like <laughs> put up together all the pieces we use to move up in these in these other rounds? And use that to move up in round one and, and to get, you know, someone either on that offensive line or while well, the offensive line class wasn't brilliant this year, maybe there wasn't anybody there. But there were definitely some wide receivers there who were, you know, far better than, than Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice is fine. Rasheed Rice might fill in some of the stuff that Juju Smith-Schuster did last year, kind of in a similar-ish mold. But he's not, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba who, you know, you had to move up 11 spots to go get Jackson Smith and Jigba. I just feel like a deal with the Seahawks was was there to be made, and I still feel a bit flat about that. But at the same time, yeah, King Felix, I feel like he was maybe Plan C, Plan D, Plan E. He was kind of there. Let's just take him. And I mean, the rest of the draft, we talked about Rasheed Rice. He was he's okay. He's fine. I'm sure he'll do an okay job. We got Morris and Connor and Coburn. They're kind of classic, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, Andy Reid picks where they're they're really versatile. They can be used in different parts of the field. They'll move all over. They can play different positions. Yeah, I just came out of it. I was kind of like, yeah, like, meh. <laughs> Sky Moore last year excited me a bit, you know, but maybe this year because I'm not excited, it'll be good. I don't know. Um, I do trust, I trust Brett Veach. I trust Andy Reid. I trust everyone in that organization, obviously, but I'm just... I've heard this like I'm not like underwhelmed. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm like like whelmed, right? Just like <laughs> eh. 
yeah, want just like more. kind of I did want more, yeah. And, and yeah, sound... while the team is still really good, I'm just like, yeah, you know, could have been better. He sounds like the film um, Draft Day, where he goes, um, teams need to, you know, people people pay to get wet. You need to go and make a splash in the draft, and you haven't made a splash in the draft. And, yeah. and you haven't walked away with somebody that you've gone, oh, I love him, and now you're going, oh. yeah. But, you know, didn't not, the not, Chiefs hit on, like, six of their seven picks last year, weren't they? Started, yeah. but like in the Super Bowl when you won it, you know, when they started. Exactly. So have trust the system, trust the process. I do trust the system, but you know, I also like shiny toys, not like toys that you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want a new person to put behind you, do you? Yeah, I want like a PlayStation, not like a Rubik's cube, right? You know, it's just something that's. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder though. Obviously, it was hosted in Kansas City. Um, yeah. You know, they were the last pick in the first round. I do wonder if it was not in Kansas City. I wonder whether they would have traded out of that pick, you know, I and back so. into the second round. I think they felt pressure to pick there because obviously mm -hmm. everyone was here. They want to sit. The whole reason they're there is to see Kansas City pick. Yeah, woo and then uh -huh. obviously for them them to not pick in, on day one. I think they would just let everyone down. So I, I think they felt like they had to stay mm -hmm. in because I had heard there was a lot of teams wanting to to kind yeah. of come back into the end of that first round. And obviously yeah. they never managed to do that. And as I say, I, I do wonder whether they were like, oh, you know, this wasn't exactly how we expected or the people, you know, the, mm -hmm. the players we wanted are not here. I think in a normal year, I think they would have, I suspect they would have traded out of that first round yeah they, they had fireworks ready like red fireworks ready to launch after the draft was over like the pick that kind of like yeah you don't have those ready to go if you're planning to, mm. to trade out i suppose right yeah so i i think they were a little bit between a rock and a hard place there lee what did you think of the chiefs um kind of draft because that you know obviously there's been a lot of discussion about all oh, these are the winners these are the losers but chiefs have from what i've seen kind of nationally not particularly been in the kind of losing column um but obviously everyone has their different opinions mm -hmm. what are your thoughts i think it was fine it was it was encouraging from my point of view as a Chargers fan because I didn't think they knocked out the park. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was it was one of them where you that's look a at polite it, way of saying it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at it and you think, say whatever you want. They've done they've done fine. You know, it wasn't it was not terrible. You know, I like Felix. Rishi Rice is a player that I might have wanted the Chargers to draft in the third or fourth round. So from that point of view, maybe it was a bit of a reach. And you know, there was other wide receivers that might have gone before that. that I, Probably might have preferred over him and um, some ones that went after as well but that's just me um so generally speaking it's fine i mean i was on with the lads um a few weeks ago wasn't i and i called patrick Mahomes the multiplier so you kind of don't need to be that great on the offensive line you know he kind of gets himself out of so much trouble you know and i know that we're not here to talk about free agent signings but they've picked up donovan smith they've got jet one taylor they picked up one new morris and none of them are great but Mahomes will get himself out of it anyway so <laughs> it's going to be fine yeah. for them, do you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where it, it encouraged me because they didn't knock it out of the park. I think you're right, Hannah. They definitely took some calls. I think the Titans were one that wanted to come up and get Will Levis in the first round, but obviously they said no for probably the reasons that you're saying. And that's that's obviously positive as well because it doesn't allow them to make more picks and accumulate more capital. But yeah, generally speaking, I don't think it was a, a dreadful draft. I don't think they've completely whiffed on any of their picks. I just don't think they kind of got some difference makers at the same time. But, you know, they've, they've, they're, they're ahead of the game, obviously, in the a AFC anyway. So, you know, it's kind of uh, maybe levels the playing field in the opposite way that we were talking about, the NFC and the Eagles getting ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, I always find it interesting, you know, ever since the, they traded away Tyreek Hill, they've kind of had this kind of hodgepodge of wide receiver room. Yeah. And I actually thought maybe this draft would be kind of where they cemented it a bit more mm. as to, you know, what we were expecting from the room, if you know what I mean. But even after the draft, it still feels a little bit like hodgepodge. Yeah. They won the Super Bowl with it. But I'm, I'm waiting for them to kind of make their move to be like, this is our future, you know, wide well, receiver. It, yeah. it, it talks about it pre-draft, you know, oh, Hopkins is a chief, Hopkins is a chief. And then obviously, you know, they come out and they say, no, he's a Cardinal, you know. So whether that be the move that they make, whether they'll be able to do that, whether the Cardinals want to. Yeah, but you're right, Hannah, you know, they, they need a guy, right? They need a wide receiver, a dominant wide receiver who's going to scare people. And they're just, don't really have that. They've got the square, scary quarterback and the tight end as well. Yeah, I was, what I was going to say was DeAndre Hopkins as well came out and made a video, didn't he, when he was staying at the Cardinals and he was like, <laughs> who said I ever wanted to leave? And it was like, you. <laughs> you said you wanted to leave. Was there that whole video where it was like, oh, give us a smile if you want to go to the Bills. Give us a, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't yeah. want to go to this team. And it was like a whole thing. Mm. Yeah, and he's ah, oh, who said I wanted to leave? And it's like <laughs> you, mate, you know. But but yeah, yeah, interesting. So go on then, Paul. Uh, give us your draft. Uh, are we on losers? We're on losers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On the losers. On losers. Yeah. Give us your loser. Um, so I just wanted to I just wanted to say a quick thing about when um, you were saying Will uh, Titans wanted to trade up for Will Levis. I love the fact that the Chiefs said no. Because we spent a couple of thousand dollars on fireworks, mate. And we're, <laughs> we're making our pick because we're setting these fireworks off. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, you can't have fireworks with Will Levis. Come on. You know what I mean? The, the Titans trade up. Here's our red fireworks for the. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so um, again, a, a bit like uh, what you were saying, Lee, this may be a bit of a controversial thing, but I think one of the big losers were the Texans. Um, now, I think, I think. You know, they got CJ Stroud and then they moved up and, and took Will Anderson Jr. And I think that's where it sort of ended for me. And I think they did well with them first two picks, but it all it's they've committed a lot to it. And um, we mentioned it earlier, you know, if if things don't go right there, they 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 could be potentially the Cardinals are picking up the 101 next year from the Texans, and they've given that up for now. And I, th I think that they've paid a lot for two players. I, th I think, uh, I don't know, I, I just think this this whole process and what they've done, it was, you know, it was exciting to see and they made that splash. You know, as we were just saying, they 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 obviously took CJ Stroud and, and reduced the value of that pick three and then traded up for the pick three and everything like this. But then after that, it just felt a bit, nah, you know, I don't know if... Uh, so I don't know if I'm maybe looking at it in a sense of they were all obviously mocked CJ Stroud and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba and you know we'd have all loved to have seen that pairing together and stuff like that. And but I just I just feel like after after them first two picks, I kind of feel like it all went a bit downhill and I don't think they've really addressed the rest of the the holes that they've got. You know, they did they didn't take a running back, did they? They didn't take a running back in this in this draft, so I, you may have to help me here. I can't remember his name. The the running back of the Texans, Damian Pierce. Uh, Damian Pierce, that's the one. You know, they so they've got this shiny QB. They've got this shiny, you know, edge rusher and stuff like this. And all all of a sudden, you're going, you you know, you're still not a great team. You 
and you've given up so much of your future to get them two good players. And if it all goes wrong, they could they could they could be in the shit. And I, and I feel like they've put a lot of what do they call it? a lot of eggs in their basket. And and it and it could go it could go very wrong for them. But that's just my opinion. Go on, criticize me. Yeah, I saw your face, Lee, when uh, Paul announced that it was the Texans. So I'm interested to see your thoughts there. It potentially might be a bit different, Paul. Yeah, I disagree a little bit. I, I actually really liked how they made a big ballsy swing and they, you know, took their quarterback of the future, which was something that was was kind of rumored throughout the draft cycle one way, then the other, then it went obviously went back and they got their quarterback. And I love then how they came back and they did get that um that I'd rush us. They got their guy for D'Amico Ryan's. And, uh, you know, kind of went, went ahead and nailed the colours to the mast, really. I, I do agree with Paul to the extent that I don't love the rest of their draft. They got a couple of starters. They got Juice Scruggs, who they got in the second round, who will be a centre. Centre's really important. Their offensive line, for a team that's this bad, is actually looking relatively decent, you know, with Kenyon Green and Shaq Mason, who they've acquired in the last couple of years. And obviously, Larry Matunzel staying in town, um, sort of against all the odds, maybe. And they also got Tank Dell, who came from, you know, the University of Houston as well. And, you know, they don't have a great roster. I'm not trying to make it out like they do, but they have a reasonable offense, you know, and they are building things on defense. And they've got obviously the defensive coordinator who's come over from the, well, their now head coach who was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. And as much as the trade was expensive, like I said, I'm glad that they nailed the calls to the mass. Maybe they're trying to accelerate that process. And they've still got the Browns first for next year from the John Watson trade. So they've done that move and they've still got as much as it won't be as high as what they would be getting themselves. They've still got probably what will be a mid-first-round pick next year. So it's not like they've mortgaged the whole future away. So I don't think it's as terrible as, as what Paul's making out. And at the end of the day, they're still not going to be good immediately. It goes back to what we were saying about the Cardinals um, earlier on. You know, They're not trying to be good immediately this year. And maybe they still start the clock on D'Amico Ryans. But at the end of the day, they've got their quarterback. They've got their cornerstone on defence. And like I said before, the, the roster's not dreadful they've got a lot of one-year deals and they're kind of throwing mud at the wall they can and seeing what sticks i guess before they extend a few of those guys and, and let ones go but i don't think it's terrible i i think it's a, a decent draft and a bold strategy which i like it's kind of the Bijan robinson going to the, the falcons right in the, a different sense but i like it yeah it's interesting isn't it because i do think if they didn't have D'Amico ryan's they probably wouldn't have traded back up to third I mean, 100 technically i think he wanted you know the defensive player yeah. and i think everyone else said we need to get a qb because we don't have anybody on the roster um and you know and we may not ever be in this position again although i think we all suspect they would <laughs> um but i do think you know defensive you know wise i think demica ryan's going to coach them up really well i think they're going to play hard and I think it's kind of nice to have their kind of young, potentially captains on each side of the ball yeah. as kind of the team builds through. But like you say, really, they have to be successful picks for that to work. Mm -hmm. um, and it will be interesting to see how things go. I think it definitely feels so much more positive, that team. You know, the last couple of years, it's just been... I think really depressing, you know, the John Watson stuff, you know, they just have looked a bit incompetent at times with certain all sorts of different things. Um, and I think for the first time in ages, it kind of feels a bit more positive for them. And like you say, they do still have a first round pick next year. If 
their pick ends up being like the first or second pick in the draft, it kind of feels like you've given up a lot, you know, mm. for that defensive player. Um, but at least you've still got a first round pick, um, you know, I suppose. And I think that's motivation to try and be semi decent this year and not have that first round pick be mm. the 101 or the 102. Yeah. Whether they'll be able to do that or not, I don't know, because, you know, as we've all uh, said, they've still got multiple holes in the roster. But I yeah. think it's going to be really interesting to see how things go and how CJ Stroud plays, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they're actually quite intriguing. You know, the last couple of years I've, I've kind of ignored them just because they've been so bad and they've been so dysfunctional. But for the first time, I think they're going to be kind of interesting this season. Interesting to see how things, you know, things go there. So, guys, obviously this wouldn't be Wildcard Rewind without some predictions. So before we finish... I think it'd be cool for us to kind of fast forward to the end of, of the 2023 season and see who we kind of have picked as our offensive and defensive rookie of the year. So let's start with the offensive side. So Lee, do you have a prediction for who may be offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, so I'm going to be a complete hypocrite and go for Bijan Robinson. <laughs> because he, like we said, like we've all said, he's going to get so many touches of the ball. He, then that, that offense, you know, if they do all sit together and there's not loads of injuries, they will they will put up points. They will be exciting. And that is what these awards are giving out for, right? They're giving out for the flashiest things. And I'll come on to that with my, my next one as well when we go for defense as well. But yeah, Bijan's going to be a really exciting player. Um, like I said, I don't think it's great build team building, but for this year, which is all we're asking for for the offensive rookie of the year, is he's going to be really exciting and score loads of touchdowns and, and make loads of good plays that's going to make people sit up and take notice. And you know, normally these people who vote for these things watch every every game, they watch the highlights, and when you see a bunch of highlights for number seven, which is kind of weird, um, yeah, he's going to be offensive rookie of the year for me. Yeah, I think that's a good shout, really. What about you, Mags? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson to win offensive rookie because I think if he hits, nobody's, not even Bijan's going to come close to winning, like sniffing that award. If Anthony Richardson, you know, hits that ceiling that he has, he's, he could win MVP. Like if he hits the ceiling that he has, he's that talented, that good. So yeah, I'll, I'll just bank on him hitting and yeah, he could be offensive rookie of the year. Paul? Uh, so I'm going to say Bryce Young. Um, it's you, you know it's it's very chalky. It, you know he was the one hundred one. He's the first quarterback off the board. I, I agree with what the other two have said, but Bryce Young, I think he just needs to turn up for sixteen or seventeen games, and I think he's somebody that's probably one of the favoured to take the MVP. As we all know, it's he's the first one, first one off the board. So Bryce Young for me. Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, it's it's going to be one of these QBs, or Bijan's going to, you know, be amazing, and they're going to be, they're not going to be able to give it to a QB. You know, I mean, I think Bijan is going to have to be super, super, superb to get it, and not a QB. So I'm going to be a bit different to everyone else, really, just so I'm not boring. So I'm going to say the third QB in the top five of this draft. So I'm going to say CJ Stroud. Um, you know, look, if he plays decent and the Texans actually end up not being kind of in the bottom three or four in the league, I think there's a good chance that he ends up taking it home. So you never know. So let's have a look over at the defence. So, Lee, who would who do you pip for Defensive Rookie of the Year? 
So kind of going back to what I said a minute ago about it all being about flashy plays. Um, this is a pick that I actually really hated in real life, which is kind of the theme for most of my award picks here, I guess. But I'm going to go for Emmanuel Forbes uh, for the Commanders. He just gets interceptions and that's his game. Mm. And if he pulls off a bunch of interceptions in the league and carries on his streak that he's been on since high school for getting multiple interceptions in a season, then I don't think there's going to be many players that can touch him. Um, I don't really see anyone who's going to get a bunch of sacks so I'm, I've kind of deferred to interceptions as being my flashy stat that they're going to go for. And I think Emmanuel Forbes will get the most out of the rookies. So he's my pick. Sounds fair, Max. Uh, mine's kind of a bit, um, I don't know, I'm kind of playing like what-ifs in my head a little bit. I'm actually going to go with Nolan Smith. And the what-ifs are is you can't double-team everybody. Right, <laughs> you're probably thinking, right? Who are we going to leave on single coverage? It's probably going to be Nolan Smith in that defense. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Nolan Smith because I think he's going to have the easiest task of getting to the quarterback in that in that Eagles defense. What about you, Paul? What are your thoughts? Well, I was going to say Nolan Smith, and I actually changed Mags's answer <laughs> on the show sheet to John Smith, hoping he'd just read it and just say John Smith. <laughs> I'm but like, but uh, Ron, Ron I'll just read anything yeah. that's on there. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck but, yourself, um, San Diego. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was going to say Nolan Smith, so I, I'm going to use um, Lee's sort of um, analogy here, and I'm going to say Devon Witherspoon, and I'm going to say he's he's going to. If we're going to go off interceptions, then he could be a guy that that shines in that Seahawks defense. So I'm going to say him. Yep, fair shout. Um, you know, I think this guy is going to have to really step up to be worth what he was um, in the draft. So I'm going to say Will Anderson. You know, he he needs to really start setting that edge <coughs> quickly and early to show that he was worth you know, what they traded for him and also to kind of set the tone on that defense. So. I'm going to go with Anderson, a bit chalky, I suppose, based on where he went. But, you know, I think there's a, a good probability it ends up being one of your, you know, one of yours, really. So, interesting. Shall, shall, I, shall I take the hint, Hannah? Who's your draft losers? The Texans. Who's your offensive rookie of the year? CJ Stroud. Who's your defensive rookie of the year? Will Anderson Jr. Shall I take, shall I take the hint? You've heard what I've said and gone, Paul's always wrong. I'll say these two men. <laughs> no, it's not my fault, Paul, but you are always wrong. Oh, I try my best. So take it part that counts. I would actually love it if they now became offensive and defensive rookie of the year. But anyway... Lee, thank you so much for joining us. We've really, really enjoyed having you on again. Is there anything that you would like to plug before we finish? Anything you're up to? Anything coming up for you? So as you uh, shouted out on the beginning of the podcast, my personal Twitter is at Wakefield90. Um, I'm actually just going to plug myself, actually, because I'm actually um, a free agent in terms of podcasts now. I've, I don't, I'm not actually affiliated with anyone that I'm writing with anymore. I'm not actually podcasting with anyone at the minute. So if anyone you know wants to get a new co-host or something like that, then come and get me. That's what I'm going to say. Excellent. We'll, we'll have you back anytime, Lee. I'd love to come on. It's been a blast again. You're always welcome. We loved having you on. So that's comes to the end of the show. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe us. Subscribe, subscribe to us and follow on Twitter at Wildcard Rewind. Um, and as usual, we'll have some awesome content for you again next week. So until then, have a great week and we'll see you then. Hey.